The scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 13, 1 through 9. At that very moment, there was some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it, put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The word of God. Please join me in prayer. Lord, allow us to hear you. Allow us to listen to your words. Let those, let the person speaking not be a barrier to your message. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Growing up, I wasn't always the best behaved. I mean, I was pretty good as kids go. I think I was a very well-mannered child, but there were those moments when I had to be reminded of what behavior was acceptable and what behavior was unacceptable. And in these lessons of being reminded of what would not be tolerated as far as my behavior was concerned, I was asked to repent, basically. Not in that, not in that manner. I didn't have those kind of parents, but I was asked to apologize, to say I was sorry. And there came a point when saying sorry just didn't bode well with me. It didn't. Like there was a physical, palpable barrier. It, there was such a huge resistance to saying I'm sorry. And I could. I knew what I had done was wrong. I, in, on some level, agreed that I did need to apologize. But there was just this, mm, not wanting to really. It's just I don't, I, don't, I don't want to. But I could feel it. And having to get beyond that resistance was almost painful. Almost painful. Am I the only one who had that experience? Or you all were like, I'll say sorry, whatever. Sorry, leave me alone, so what? No, but for me, it was, it was a challenge. It was a challenge to admit wrong, admit it, and then sincerely 
sincerely apologize. It took years. I'm still working on it, but but definitely as a child, it was it was much worse. But my mom worked with me. My parents worked with me. Mom and dad is like, you have to you have to apologize. You have to apologize. You can't. You can't allow this, we will not allow this behavior to continue. You cannot be okay with this behavior. And they were getting me to the point where I could, in a sense, self-correct to realize when I had done wrong, to admit that I had done wrong for the sake of the relationship. As when we're young, we take our parents for granted. We take those who care for us for granted. And we just, you know, we treat them any kind of way sometimes. And what I was being taught was, it's not okay to do that. And to apologize, to repent, essentially, is to reconcile. It's to seek to mend the relationship. In the text this morning we see this kind of playing out. We see Jesus doing a similar lesson or teaching a similar lesson with those who have gathered. It's a very gruesome account. I know some of you might have cringed a little bit. It's like, we're reading that in church? My God, that's HBO material. But there's a point to it, right? There's a point. So, Jesus is teaching, and then in the middle of the, in the middle of the teaching, newsflash, th- what Pilate has done to these Galileans, this abominable act, can you believe it? And yes, in case you were wondering, this is the same Pilate who we meet later on, who Jesus has a conversation with. It's that Pilate. And these people were in the temple where they were supposed to be offering sacrifices. And in the middle of offering their sacrifices, they are sacrificed. And their spilled blood is mingled with the sacrifices that they were going to offer in the temple. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? That's like someone being baptized. Someone comes in and knocks over the baptismal bowl over there, breaks the breaks the picture, the equivalent of, is just kind of desecrating this space, the audacity. And we find out this was being done because Pilate was seeking to quell all insurrections. He wasn't particularly happy with the, with the Hebrews. He didn't understand, didn't care, didn't recognize the sacrifices they were doing. So how can he make his point? He made his point very clear. But the people reporting this and the people hearing this are thinking, my God, what did they do to deserve that? They must have been some huge sinners. And Jesus says, no, that's not it at all. And so then the question is, well, what did they do? Like, how how was that possible? How can such a great offense happen to someone if they did nothing to warrant it? How, how is that possible? So we get the question of theodicy. Why does or why do bad things what happen to 
good people. We can also reverse that and say, why do good things happen to, right? We don't usually ask that one <laughs> because we know we may be in that number. But, uh, but, but, but you get the point, right? It's a question of theodicy, like why does this happen? And the short answer is evil exists. Evil exists. And we, ha we encounter evil on a regular basis. And things happen that are just horrible, horrendous, gut-wrenching, demoralizing, the whole gamut. It happens. Does it make it right? No, of course not. But Jesus takes this time now that in, they're in this mindset of, my, my goodness. And then he turns the mirror to them. What's happening in your lives? What are you doing? Because we don't want that mirror. We don't want that one. We don't want to see ourselves. Jesus is like, it's not, it's not about what they did. He gives two examples. Were they, when the pillar falls on these individuals, were they like the hugest sinners in Jerusalem? No, not at all. Not by a long shot, but that's not the point. In our, in our everyday existence, we, we make judgments. We decide if someone is valid or not based upon what they've done or what they haven't done. We want immediate retribution. Someone does something to us, we're driving, they cut us off. We see them get cut off, we like, that serves you right. If you hadn't cut me off, you probably, that probably wouldn't have happened to you. Minor things. When something happens to us, we want immediacy on the correction. But Jesus is like, what about when you do something to someone else? How quickly are you to ask for retribution? Oh, Lord, strike me down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably not so much. So then, the, so then by showing the people the mirror, by showing us the mirror, we then get the conversation of grace. So... What is grace then? The definition of grace is withholding that which you do deserve. Right? So withholding usually punishment. So you didn't get punishment. Oh, God's grace. And grace and mercy work together. So grace, we'll return to that later. But to repent, why do we repent? What's the purpose of repenting? We do a call to confession, we confess, but why? To make things right. Yeah, I mean, on a basic level, yes, to make things right. But let's see, we, to reconcile, right? We think to reconcile with others, but there's also, yes, and we also reconcile with ourselves. Think on a time when you, you messed up royally, 
whatever it was. Uh, and you said something, you did something you shouldn't have, you should not have, you, sh you should have done something you didn't do, you should not have done something that you did do, whatever the scenario, think on it. Think about how wretched you felt. Maybe you didn't, I don't know. But think on a time when you did. Think on that, think on that scenario, that instance. <laughs> don't think on the time you didn't. Think on the time you did. Well, you felt just awful inside. And you sought to go about your day. You still wanted to do, you know, you, you still wanted to hang out. You still wanted to have fun. But you just had that needling feeling that all was not well. And you try to repress it and suppress it further and further down. And it, uh, you looked in the mirror and you didn't really like the reflection and you didn't enjoy what you used to enjoy and your clothes weren't even fitting right and you just, you, you just felt miserable. Repenting is so that you can be right with yourself. So for no, no other reason, if not, you're like, I don't care if I, got, I have a right relationship with that individual, they could, you know, go somewhere else. At least be selfish about it in this instance. Want to have a right relationship with you. Now, having said that, when you have a right relationship with self, you can then have a right relationship with someone else. The second commandment, all these summarize, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I cannot love you. I will not reconcile with you if I don't love myself and if I am not reconciled with myself. So a lot of times people are angry and they project and it's really not about you. They don't love themselves. And so this whole repenting is to write this relationship. It's to write the relationship with the self so that you can write it with the Lord and then write it with others. So it's sometimes right relationship with God. If I have a right relationship with God, I can write my relationship with self and then I can write my relationship with others. It may not be in that order. It may not be one, two, three. Sometimes reconciling with someone else, you can now reconcile with self. You can then reconcile with God. Maybe, maybe you get like a little bit. There aren't always the correct answer. The point is that this whole repentance is useful. So how? How do we reconcile? Well, first we have to reconcile that something is going on. There's a self-awareness component. Know who you are. Know what's going on with you. It's difficult because sometimes what we need to be aware of is the very thing that we're seeking to ignore. Like, we don't, we don't, I don't want to deal with that. No, 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 no. Um, that's in the closet. The door, the door is locked. The key's lost. I'm not going in there. But we need, to, we need to allow, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit. We need to allow it to be acknowledged. That self-awareness helps us to repent. So one, be self-aware. 
then once we are self-aware, we see what's going on, acknowledge it. So don't like, I'm very self-aware. I know everything about me. And yet you acknowledge nothing. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge what's going on. Verbally speak it, mentally recollect, whatever, but acknowledge that thing. And that's where the confession comes in. That's why we confess. It's an acknowledgement that something is amiss, that something's not right. And then once we do that, and here's the real challenge, change behavior. Because it's one thing to say, yeah, that was bad, and then you, you did what with that? Was it just for knowledge's sake? Yeah, I messed up royally. And then you keep doing it. I know we get in these, these habits, we, they call vicious cycles. Are we familiar with vicious cycles? Uh, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we do to ourselves. Tells in our lives. We do that to God as well. So, but that's how. That's how we repent. Self-awareness. Recognize. Two, acknowledge. Confess. Three, change behavior. But there's good news in this. There's that grace that I was saying. Grace, 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 grace. Switch the definition. I usually get them confused. Grace, giving you something you don't deserve. Mercy, withholding that which you do deserve. Usually a punishment. Correction made. We get that? I apologize. <laughs> so grace, giving you something you don't deserve. We don't deserve grace, ironically, right? In the parable, we see that there's this tree, and this tree is supposed to be bearing fruit, and it's not bearing fruit. And the owner of the vineyard says, cut it down. But something happens. What happens? Is it cut down immediately? No, it's not. There's a... Wait. Someone intercedes. Someone speaks on behalf of that fig tree. That happens to us all the time. We can say, oh, that's Jesus. Jesus is the intercessor. We can say, you know, God is the intercessor. But yes, and sometimes we're the intercessor. We have people in our lives who aren't there yet. They go from crisis to crisis to crisis. That may be you. I don't know. But some people just aren't there yet. And there's someone who's speaking on their behalf, on their knees, praying, Lord, just work with them, Lord. They need you, Lord. They may not know that they need you, Lord, but I know that they need you, Lord. Give me the guidance to work with that individual because they may not be able to see it right now. But Lord, give me the patience. Give me the understanding to work with them because I know that they need you. And that's what happens. That's what happens. So we have a God that's long suffering, a God that says, I'm not going to cut you down because you make a mistake year after year, month, day, minute by minute by minute. We have a God that's gracious, a God that listens to prayers, a God that listens to intercessors, 
A God that says, I love you that much. I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to hold on. And the body of Christ speak on our behalf. You see why relationships need to be reconciled? Because if, you're, if we were out here all by ourselves, we would not make it. We could not make it. And we see in this parable that God wants a relationship. God wants us to be reconciled. That's why we repent too. God wants us to. Because God loves us that much. God wants to be in fellowship with us. So I leave us with these words. To repent is to reconcile and to live in God's grace. It's to recognize God's love. It's to be in community, to be in harmony with not only God, but with others and ourselves. And acknowledging, when we acknowledge that there's something wrong, we're telling God, take it from me. Take this from me. And God says, yes. Amen.